May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. It's uh, that time of year where we begin to make New Year's resolutions, and if, if you know me, I'm against them 100%. But it's not a bad time to sit and reflect back on the previous year, and I, I think it's uh, unavoidable. You begin to think of 2013, and for many of us, we look forward mightily to 2014. Uh, but what I notice about that is that the things in 2013 that seemed small and insignificant at the time, looking back, were much more impactful than I ever thought possible. It turned out to be those small things which, in the moment, uh, didn't mean much, but it took some time, uh, some hindsight even, to be able to look back and say, that actually was something that was incredibly significant and had a big impact on me in 2013. And yet, again, in the moment... You would have never known it. The the county motto where I grew up in Virginia is, I bide my time. Not very promising if you're waiting for public improvements. Um, uh, But uh, like that county motto, uh, most of us in life bide our time. Uh, We bide our time for a number of reasons. We just never feel that we have enough time to do what we want. Uh, We find ourselves in a position, a place, or circumstance that prevent us from doing what we like to do. It always feels like it's impossible to actually exhaust time of its potential. And at the end of the day, uh, your checklist only reminds you of what you were incapable of accomplishing that day. And most of us uh, spend our lives looking forward to the day that we can do uh, what we would like to do. Uh, This used to be called retirement, uh, but retirement doesn't always work out that way. And so we find ourselves, no matter how old we are, no matter where we are, wishing that we could go back to redeem the time that no longer is. This morning we've been given a picture of God's sovereignty in time. Uh, You know, when you read the gospel about Jesus, we we hear a lot about his birth, but then it sort of leapfrogs immediately until he's 30 years old. We don't hear about his days at Nazareth Junior High School or or any of that. Uh, And uh, something very significant happens in the gospels this morning. Uh, We hear uh, that Joseph is spoken to by an angel and is told for him to take Mary and Jesus and go to Egypt. That's, that's remarkable. I think about it. They were there for a number of years until Herod died, which means it's incredibly likely that the Word made flesh spoke his first words in Egypt. Uh, Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, took his first steps uh, in Egypt. And yet, think of what the Holy Family must have thought when God called them to Egypt. I don't think that they rejoiced. It wasn't as if I've got a great place on the Red Sea for you. It's got a dock, some jet skis. It's going to be really great. They were called to be strangers in a strange land for who knows how long. At least until the death of Herod. And so they knew that they were moving. And it was going to be a time of transition. And for for those years, 
What were they to do? Were they to simply bide their time? Now, I don't believe in the whole scripture is metaphor motif, and yet I don't think it's much of a stretch uh, to look at the Holy Family going to Egypt and being able to identify with that. Because there are times in our lives where we're called to Egypt. There doesn't seem to be much of any rhyme or reason why we're there, but we're there. It feels as though our lives are on a holding pattern and we wait. Egypt is a lonely place. Sometimes you feel totally alone. And even if you believe that it will ultimately come to an end and work out for the good, how do we normally spend our time when we're called to Egypt? Well, what we see in the gospel this morning is that God actually is the one calling us to Egypt. He calls Mary, Joseph, and Jesus there, and they are there because that is where God wants them. It is probably the last place they want to be, but it is where he has placed them, and they are there for a purpose. Now, they know that the specific purpose for them to be there is to preserve the life of the baby Jesus as Herod slaughters the innocents. But for us... We're not always so blessed to know what purpose God has for us when we find ourselves in Egypt. But we are there nonetheless. And we are there because that is where God has placed us. Well, if God has called us to Egypt, so what? What are we to do when we find ourselves struggling with where God has led us to in our lives? Most of us simply bide our time. And this is more often than not the product of unhappiness, not Christian patience. And yet, when God calls us to that place, He calls on us to live. To live. When the Israelites were called into exile in Babylon, Jeremiah spoke a word to the Israelites. In Jeremiah 29, we always remember the part when Jeremiah says, I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you says the Lord. Now that's very encouraging, but this is what the Lord says to his people in addition to that. While you're in Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. God has not simply called us to put our heads down and bide our time, but has called on us to live while we are there. He calls us to wait on Him, and this is a patient waiting but one that is hope-filled, expecting the Lord to work, knowing that He has not brought you this far to leave you. One of the things that is remarkable about the Incarnation is that God Himself has come and taken on flesh and entered into this broken and fallen-down world. And even when you are in Egypt, God knows exactly what it's like to be there. He's literally been there. He's been in those moments of, God, what next? Where do we go uh, from here? And God says, do what I've called you to do. Trust me. Live. I will provide. Now, the Bible is not saying when life 
gives you Egyptian lemons. Make Egyptian lemonade. Uh, no. What we're hearing is that when God, when life gives you lemons, God's going to redeem them. He may not redeem them in the moment, but there is not one place on this earth that doesn't belong to the Lord Jesus. He is just as much Lord in Egypt as he is in any other area of our lives. And this is incredibly hard for us to trust in because most of us would say that we believe in God's sovereignty and say that he is in charge. But when we find ourselves in these Egypt-type situations, we feel that God may be punishing us or worse, that God has completely abandoned us. And so many of us simply keep our heads down, wait it out, and hope that this too shall pass. Well, for me, this was seminary. I did not have the most enjoyable experience in seminary. I felt like it was day camp without the arts and crafts. I did get a t-shirt. I loved living in England, uh, but I did not enjoy being a student where I was. And so I thought, I'm only here for a few years, so I'll just keep my head down. I'll be out of here soon enough. The result is that after years in England, I had missed out on so much. I was so focused on the future that I forgot to live in the present and remember that that's where God had called me. That in fact, God's plan for me included a bad seminary experience. Seminary for me was Egypt. Even so, God used it. I didn't understand what God was doing. I wasn't even sure if he was doing anything. I was convinced that God had left England long, long ago. But he was there, and he was active, even when I didn't feel it. And he was working out his purposes in my life. Because when Jesus came and dwelt amongst us, and lived and died, he redeemed our lives. That's what the cross does. It redeems our lives, which means it's not just that when you die, you experience salvation, but the Bible tells us that you experience salvation right now. He says in John, I have come that you might have life and life to the full. What the cross makes possible is that you are able, through Jesus, to exhaust life of its potential right now. If you want to know a full life, if you want to know what redemption in Egypt looks like, You have to look at Jesus and his cross. Otherwise, it is just keep your head down. It is just soldier on. But with Jesus, he has redeemed it all. God has called you where you are. And God has been there. And he has redeemed your life and your time. Our gospel reading this morning, we find the joy of Christmas abruptly ended by King Herod, who seeks to kill the little Lord Jesus. Now, life is not always joy, nor is it always trouble and sorrow. But know this in Jesus, there is joy in Bethlehem. But also know that in Jesus, he is there in the anxiety of Egypt. Amen.